welcome back to the Autism Hour podcast, where we view each and every individual as valuable and capable. Today, my guest is Shannon Pugh. Shannon has been leading the Arise Special Needs Ministry at Irving Bible Church for seven years, first as a volunteer and then as a staff member. Before working at IBC, she was a special education teacher for nine years. She fell in love with this population at a summer camp when she was a teen and is extremely passionate about connecting families with special needs to resources that will help them find abundant life. She also loves advocating for those with special needs and helping others to understand their strengths and challenges. She is newly married, has a one-eyed dog, and loves to play video games to unwind. I hope you enjoy my episode with Shannon. Be sure to check out the resources she mentions in this episode. And please go on iTunes or Stitcher and rate the podcast and leave a comment um, or reach out to me at theautismhour at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, and um, rating the podcast helps people to find the Autism Hour, so I would really appreciate you doing that. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Hi, Shannon, and welcome to the Autism Hour podcast. How Thank are you, you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I currently work full-time at Irving Bible Church, leading the special needs ministry here. I've been leading the ministry for about seven years now, uh, first as a volunteer, then part-time staff, and then a couple years ago, IBC decided that this is one of the things they wanted to focus on uh, and brought me on full-time, and that's been really incredible. Before that, I was, well, actually, even during, for part of the time while I was leading the ministry, I worked as a special ed teacher in the public schools, and mm-hmm. so although that was challenging, uh, I definitely used that information every single day. Oh, I bet. So, yeah. What classroom did you teach when you were teaching? So I taught for four years in PPCD, okay. which is preschool program, and so three to five-year-olds mm-hmm. with special needs. It was really interesting. Yeah, that's where my background <laughs> and is. So. Really tiring. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was actually an aide for two of the years, okay. and I was in a, a classroom for kids with severe and profound disabilities. So that's where I learned to do tube feedings mm-hmm. and manage, you know, medical, medically fragile, you know, things like that. A lot of feeding, things like that. And then my last three years, uh, I worked in kind of a unit for kiddos with moderate to severe disabilities, most of which included pretty significant behavioral issues, so lots of autism, Um, and that's one of the ways that I really got to uh, learn some kind of ABA Mm -hmm. principles and put those into place, although I've never been, you know, specifically certified in in ABA or anything like that. Okay. What drove your passion to work with kids with disabilities? You know, uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really have much exposure until I was 13, and my brother was on a baseball team, and one of the other boys on his team had a younger brother who had some special needs, and honestly, I had not really been around anyone with intellectual disabilities or anything like that, uh, not on an extended basis, and we had just hit it off. He was eight, I was 13, and... I pretty immediately started babysitting him, Aww. and his parents would tell me how hard it was to get a date night or yeah. take their other kids out to see a movie. So I really learned 
more about how it affects the families. And mm -hmm. then I just absolutely loved spending time with him. And I'm still connected to the family. Oh, I still great. see him every once in a while. Yeah. We're now, you know, both in our 30s. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so cool. really it started with him. And then pretty quickly I started serving at a camp. Okay. For It was a summer camp for adults with special needs. And I started that when I was 15. And okay. I, my first year at camp, it's a week long, it's overnight. And I walked away from that and just knew this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's so amazing. it was a kind of a, a roundabout road to yeah. actually get to where this is my career. Mm -hmm. And um, But yeah, that's I've had a passion for this area since I was a teenager. That's such a blessing that you knew so early on that that's yeah. what you wanted to do. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about what Irving Bible Church does to support and serve individuals with disabilities. Sure. So at this point, um, we do have some programs that are you know specifically geared towards people who attend IBC or people who attend a church, but we also, the majority, I would say, of our programs are more for the community, nothing is okay. limited to people who attend IBC. Okay. So on Sundays we have services for, like we provide services for individuals with special needs of all ages. None of our programs have an age limit. Um, and so we have kind of inclusion based where okay. we have a pal who will, you know, kind of be paired up with a kiddo and take them to their class or even help them serve, mm -hmm. walk around the church with them, you know, whatever is best for them. And then we also have three rooms, kind of specialized rooms, um, where we can take kids who just need a safe kind of individualized mm -hmm. space. Um, and like I said, when I say kids, it's all ages. Okay. Um, and then we do respite once a month. It's for three hours on a Saturday night, and we just give parents a break. It's free. We take all ages, all That's needs. So um, we also take the siblings and kind of give them their own separate time so that they're off duty. That's so cool, yeah. Um, and then also every Thursday night, we have a Bible study specifically for adults with special needs. Okay. Um, we come together, study the Bible. Uh, and then once a month we do a service project and once a month we do a fun event like bingo or karaoke or we okay. go bowling. Uh, so those are kind of our weekly things or, or regular things, mm -hmm. you know, respites monthly. Um, but then we also do a lot of stuff throughout the year that's really geared towards bringing people in from the community who might not come to a church, might not mm -hmm. come to some of our other stuff. So family days, resource fairs, um, parent workshops. We have parties. We have a pool party in the summer. That's we so have cool. you know stuff at Easter. We have a Christmas party. So we do a lot of that type of stuff, and a lot of that is done through partnerships with organizations in the community okay. who are already doing great work, and mm -hmm. we just provide space and advertising for them. And so we actually have an organization that comes in and does summer camps um, all okay. summer for kids five, ages 5 to 21 with okay. special needs. So, What is that organization, if you don't mind me asking? Well, they're kind of in transition oh, right okay. now. Okay. So um, they're, they're in flux. Okay. So it's been um, an, a chapter of The Ark, oh, which okay. is a nationwide yeah. nonprofit, mm -hmm. and it's switching over now to a, an, a new organization called Altruistic that's okay. run by the same people I've been working with. So, okay, neat. So, yeah, we really uh, focus a lot on on outreach and trying to find families in the community who 
might feel isolated mm-hmm. or might think that there's nothing out there and might not have a lot of contact with other parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing them in and showing them that they have a place, they're welcome, yeah. they're, they're sought out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what a lot of our programs are designed for. That's amazing. And if people want to learn more about these programs, where can they find more information or how can they sign up? So we have... Um, a website. Okay. It's a resource website, but it's also got information about our program specifically. And that is it's real easy, arisespecialneeds.org. Okay. And so that's one place where you can find that out. And uh, we also have an email list. Um, so that's, you know, the best way for families to find out about those special events. But okay. we have a, a monthly resource newsletter that Great. goes out that has everything uh you know kind of set up on it so that they can find out not only our events but also events all across the metroplex i mean it's geared towards dfw families okay um so there's you know that's kind of the information email me call me you know whatever yeah great so yeah um i also want to hear more about your volunteers so how many volunteers do you have what does it look like recruiting volunteers how do you train them that kind of information so i actually was just pulling together some statistics yesterday so this is perfect timing (laughs) um on sundays we have about 20 volunteers who serve some of them serve weekly, others serve bi-weekly. Okay. Um, I kind of require at least a bi-weekly commitment mm-hmm. for my Sunday volunteers because consistency yeah. is so important. Um, and then, gosh, for respite, we probably have 40 to 50 volunteers okay. who maybe aren't there every single month. Mm-hmm. We tend to average about 30 volunteers a month. Okay. Uh, but who are committed, put the dates on their calendar, and are there as often as possible. Yeah. I also have a leadership team of five to eight people, kind of depends on the year, who help me kind of lead the ministry, Mm -hmm. problem solve. They take on some extra responsibility. And so that's been really helpful. So uh, one of the things that has really helped us get volunteers, especially for respite, is that we don't require them to be a part of IBC. Okay. Um, And what I have found is that there's a lot of people out in the community who really desire to serve this population and have trouble finding ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it used to be that we had a rule that they had to attend IBC for at least six months before they could serve with us. And that's still a a policy that we have for our Sunday volunteers okay. um, for a variety of reasons. But as far as respite and our other, you know, serving opportunities, anybody is welcome. Okay. They just have to go through a background check and a short little application process. Mm-hmm. Training-wise, um, well, and I'll also say there is no experience necessary, and mm-hmm. the vast majority of my volunteers don't have any experience okay. in this area. And we also allow families to serve together. Okay. So at respite, at our events, even on Sundays, we'll allow kids, well, I mean, gosh, on Sundays as young as fourth grade on, you know, at respite, I'll I'll let kids who are as young as six or seven serve beside their parents, and they're just paired together with a kid who is a little higher functioning, maybe Mm -hmm. can play, you know, stuff like that. So that's been a big draw as well. I think a lot of families are looking for ways to serve together, and that's Mm -hmm. hard to find. Yeah. 
Um, and so many parents desire for their kids to have exposure to mm-hmm. people who are different than them yeah. and see that it's not scary and it's mm-hmm. not Which shameful. Which is so amazing. I yeah. love that. So. Yeah. So that's been really helpful. Um, recruiting has been a huge issue in the past, but once we started really talking about the ministry in, in like from the stage on Sundays, and really emphasizing that there's no experience necessary, mm-hmm. that made a huge difference. And now we have kind of a presence in the community, and so we'll get, you know, Girl Scout troops or youth groups or whatever to serve with us. Yeah. Um, but I think so many people, when they hear special needs, think, oh, well, that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm called to. I'm called to work with the homeless, or I'm called to work with... And that may very well be true. Yeah. It, everybody doesn't need to serve in every capacity, but we've really, here at IBC, we've really fought against that idea of just hearing hearing about the ministry and just shutting down immediately mm-hmm. and thinking, ah, somebody else will do that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because everyone they won't. asks somebody else, and <laughs> yes. no one is, yeah, Exactly. It, so. um, as far as training goes, you know, that's been something that has been kind of hard to do. It's hard to get people to show up for, mm-hmm. you know, a three- or four-hour training. And so there's some organizations in the area. Johnny and Friends does a fantastic job mm-hmm. training church leaders and church volunteers. And so they've done some stuff, I've done some stuff, but it's been really inconsistent. And so actually I've kind of revamped things. And this year we're going to be meeting monthly on a Sunday afternoon for one hour. Okay. Really short time commitment. It's already built into a lot of people's schedules Mm -hmm. to be, you know, out on a Sunday. And really the vast majority of our volunteers do attend IBC, especially my consistent volunteers. And one month it'll just be my leadership team, and the next month it'll be all of my volunteers, um, whoever will come, and we'll talk about a specific topic like behavior or communication with parents, things like that, that they really need to know. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is that I'm currently in the middle of uh, recording some videos that'll touch on those really common topics that churches ask. A lot of churches will ask me to come and train, mm-hmm. and I I can't be everywhere. Yeah. And so, and then some churches are a little bit further away and mm-hmm. would require travel. And so, I felt like the video series was it will be really helpful, mm-hmm. be easily accessible, completely free, and like I said, just kind of touch on those those really common topics and they're different links so you can kind of piece together your own training okay so I'm really hoping to make it easier mm-hmm. for ministry leaders to train volunteers because it's really important for them to be trained yeah. and it's really hard to do that consistently yeah. especially when you've got a volunteer or a person who's very very part-time mm-hmm. running the ministry yeah so when you conduct trainings what are the resources that you use in order to gain the information that you need to conduct those trainings I kind of piece together my own experiences. I tend to tell a lot of stories from, you know, my years teaching or camp or uh, our, you know, ministry. I find that that's helpful for people to be able to, you know, relate. So Mm -hmm. I just, I tell a lot of stories from my own experience. And then there's different handouts I've kind of collected over the years. There's a couple really good ones that I got, like I said, through Johnny and Friends yeah. and have just been kind of sharing for years. I mean, mm-hmm. we all need that information. And then some of them I've made up, you know, a handout for a specific training, and then I just kind of tweak it to be a general handout that I can use for pretty much any 
any sort of training. So I yeah. have one that's just helpful tips for special needs ministry. It goes through some common disabilities. It yeah. goes through some safety techniques, mm-hmm. you know, d- just different information about yeah. that. So it's kind of a hodgepodge, actually. Okay. Yeah, but it works. So. It, it, it does work. Yeah. yeah. And that's my plan is to not only make the videos available, but also include that information that I use and that I hand out at most of my trainings so that we're all just sharing that yeah. same information. There's no need for us all to reinvent the mm-hmm. wheel. It's out Absolutely. there. Yeah, that's so neat. Um, okay, so when parents bring their child with special needs to your church, what is one of the primary concerns that you hear from most parents? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think most parents, I say this all the time, when we get a new family who either contacts me ahead of time or just mm-hmm. walks in on a Sunday, which we're really blessed to be able to, I have enough volunteers to take walk-ins. Okay. I always say it's like they come in with their tail between their legs. Mm-hmm. They they fully expect us to say, no, we can't serve your family. Yeah. And they probably been told that. They so, have yeah. almost always yeah. been told that. And so I think their biggest concern is, are you going to, be able to handle my kid. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because parents will tell me, well, you know, he really struggles to sit down at like a table. And yeah. I'm like, welcome to the club. Like, <laughs> yeah. We don't do that yeah. because it's pointless. Mm-hmm. And it would just, that's not how they learn. Why would we make them do that? And so a lot of the parents, I think just, they know their child so well and they know what they need. And I think it's hard for them to believe that just a church would be able to meet those needs. And a lot of times we need the parents' help. Yeah. But I think the main concern that I see, unfortunately, is that they don't think we're going to be able to serve their kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, whether or not they're safe or, gosh, it's so basic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's always stuff to work out as far as do they want their child to be integrated into a regular classroom? Yeah. Are they fine with them being in kind of a a more secure environment? Um, so, you know, there's some logistics like that to work out, but most of the time they just want to hear, yeah, we can serve your kid. Yeah. Yes, you're welcome here. Yes, please go to service. We'll call you if there's a problem. Yeah. But also, like, most of the time we can handle it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so that leads me to my next question. What does that look like from your side when you run into like a challenging behavior or a situation that is problematic? What is kind of your response to that? Yeah. So I think my first response is we will make this work. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not always possible. We have a lot of resources. I have volunteers. I'm here full time. We have space. And so I don't expect every church to be able to do that. But also, if we turn families away because of a behavioral issue or a medical need or whatever it is, where are they going to go? Yeah. And so, for me, I approach it as telling them, no, we can't serve your child is just simply not an option. Mm-hmm. And when you take that off the table, it turns out you really can make most mm-hmm. things work. Yeah. And so, with behavioral issues, a lot of times, if we do get a kid who has you know, some significant concerns, I'll kind of spend that first Sunday or two with them, figuring out what works, what doesn't, what are they going to do. And I very much come from the standpoint of if it's not safe, I mean, if it isn't unsafe, okay, 
then then if we can possibly kind of let them just do what they need to do to cope with a new environment or whatever, mm-hmm. then okay. Yeah. You know, and so some of our kids just don't do well if you put them in a room and close the door. Mm-hmm. And so we're really thankful and we're really blessed with this space where we do have an open space. We're in uh, the preschool area and it okay. has a common area. And so we kind of let them use that space yeah. as long as they don't run out the doors. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I'll kind of get to know them first so mm-hmm. that I can tell my volunteers, hey, this is what I'm seeing works and doesn't work. I'm kind of able to pull from my experiences in the school system and trainings and stuff like that um, to know. I always start with, why is the behavior happening? Mm -hmm. Do they want attention? Are they trying to get out of something? Because then you handle it completely differently and then go from there. And for some kids, it's as simple as saying, you know what? That's not safe. I need you to sit down and I'm going to count to 10. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they are like, well, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple. Other times it is yeah, definitely not. Complicated, yeah. So we do have a room. We have a space. It's a pretty small room that uh, we where we can put kids who really need their own space and need maybe to be able to control the environment a little Mm -hmm. bit and even where we need to be able to step out if they're getting aggressive or just really struggling where we can step out but leave them keep them safe yeah um so we do have that space and when you have kids with really significant behavioral concerns i think that's a huge piece of it is being able to separate them Mm-hmm. because you got to keep everybody safe. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of lovingly call it our teenage boy room <laughs> because that's I mean, pretty much who tends to use it. Yeah. And uh, so we're just really thankful to have that. So, yeah. I mean, first I say it's just not an option to tell them, no, let's mm-hmm. make this work. And sometimes I might say, you know what, we can only serve your kiddo at this service because that's when I have the most volunteers yeah. or that's when we have the least kids or, you know, whatever. Um or, you know, hey, give me a week or two. I might say that, but I don't ever say no. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't yet. <laughs> we have some That's really, such a blessing. really challenging behavioral issues, yeah. and I just don't say no. Yeah, that's so amazing. When you take that off the table, you can pretty much make stuff work. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Um, what does it look like when you first receive a child? What kind of intake for lack of a better word do you, process do you go through with the parents do you give yeah. them like a questionnaire yes. or what does that look like yeah so we have a form that I ask them to fill out it's got the basic information their birth date and all that stuff um I do ask for a diagnosis but I don't share that with my volunteers I okay. don't really think it's all that important you mm-hmm. need to get to know the kid and I could tell you this kid has this syndrome or autism or whatever and it doesn't tell you anything about yeah. that kid you still have to get to know him mm-hmm. so I mainly ask for that in order to connect parents with resources if I know of a support group or Mm -hmm. you know whatever and then it has information about their allergies whether or not they hear and see and you know are able to move around um, independently uh, toileting behavioral issues what do they like what do they not like Mm -hmm. when they do display behaviors where does that usually come from and how do they want us to handle it Mm -hmm. all that stuff okay um you know seizures everything and then as much as possible talking to the parent about it and just making sure that all the information we have there some parents just kind of go through and fill it out real quick um 
and some of them write us little novels mm -hmm. about their kids. Yeah. Either way is helpful. Yeah. And then my parent, um, I'm sorry, my volunteers get a little one pager that tells them about their kiddo, okay. especially when they serve at respite. Okay. Um, but also on Sundays, it's available to them. And I leave little stickers in the binder. So if they learn something like, hey, he drinks bubble solution, <laughs> then they can write that on a yep. sticker and stick it on his form so that the next person doesn't have to yep. learn that the hard yes. way. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that's scary. kind of what we do. Um, and, and usually the form gives us the information mm -hmm. that we need. Good. But we always check with the parent when they're dropping their kid off, is there mm -hmm. anything we need to know today? And yep. you know they might tell us, unless she didn't really sleep well, mm -hmm. so she might be extra tired or having some trouble with sensory regulation, stuff like that. Okay, so. very neat. Um, okay, so can you talk to me a little bit more about what a typical Sunday looks like as far as structure in your services for the children with disabilities? What does that look like? Sure. So um, I'll start with PALS because we do it a little bit differently than okay. a lot of churches. A lot of churches kind of have a pool of volunteers available um, and maybe switch, switch volunteers out. The benefit of that is that... Um, you can handle walk-ins mm -hmm. as far as actually giving them a PAL. Mm -hmm. We actually can't. Mm -hmm. um, if they are a kid who needs a PAL, then there is a little bit of a wait time. Okay. However, we have our rooms available while they're waiting. Uh, I pair up a volunteer with a family, preferably one volunteer who serves weekly with that family, and I connect them, and then it is up to them to figure out which service and, and mm -hmm. coordinate which weeks they're going to be That's out of great. town or whatever. Yeah. I'll help find a sub if mm -hmm. the pal is going to be out of town, but otherwise it's completely between them and I'm available to consult. And a lot of my pals, um, the volunteers, figure out what that kid needs and they'll ask for, hey, could I get a bag with this in it? Mm -hmm. Or is it okay if we do this? And you know, I kind of give them as much. They they learn that kid a lot of times better than I do. Yeah. They become the expert on that kid. And so that's a plus. There's The consistency is a plus. And then what I see a lot of times is when a volunteer and a, a kid are paired together on a weekly basis and the families are, you know, are communicating um, kind of outside of me, there's a relationship mm -hmm. that forms there. Which is and so sweet, I'm sure, It's to really, really cool to see. Yeah. And so then they're going over for dinner mm -hmm. or they're saying, actually, I'm going to hang with your kiddo for a couple hours while you go get a date night. Yeah. And that's so the sweet. ideal. Yeah. And so we've even had some volunteers who've just stopped serving with us in any other capacity and they've basically kind of left the quote-unquote Arise program. Yeah. And they're just... <laughs> friends with that family and that's so amazing. they come to church together and maybe they serve together mm -hmm. or just walk around or whatever yeah. so that's ideal for me so that's why we do it that way and then I also am not scrambling every week to figure out well who's going to be with this kid yeah. it's just kind of set in place mm -hmm. our rooms um I try to keep gosh as close to a one-to-one -one ratio as possible but yeah. that includes youth volunteers and okay. I do utilize quite a few youth volunteers as pals, okay, uh, and also in our room, it's invaluable for on both ends, mm -hmm. and so uh, I use a lot of youth volunteers. So that includes that we do have a policy that um, there have to be two adults in every room, mm -hmm. uh, and so. I have to have a decent number of adults to be able to kind of split up yeah. that way, but uh, 
but they, then the youth kind of come in and they end up a lot of times really spending the time with our kids. Mm-hmm. So that's what it looks like. It's not, our Sundays are not, um, at least the rooms, they're not super structured. Okay. The kids that we have a lot are nonverbal, mm-hmm. behavioral issues, need a lot of sensory input. And so we provide a variety of materials for them to interact with, Mm -hmm. and we let them pick what works for them. I have to say, finding some sort of consistent curriculum has been a real challenge. Okay. Um, It's just hard to keep up with. It's hard for me to keep up with. It's hard for my volunteers to keep up with. And so kind of what I say is, hey, if we get in some sort of Bible verse or Bible story, awesome, that's icing on the cake. But if if all we do every Sunday is say, I am so glad you're here today, and it's because Jesus loves you, and he loves me, and that's, you are his child, and mm-hmm. so I love spending time with you. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of times, honestly, that's exactly what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do stuff with kids where we have one kid right now who loves to rip paper. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, we'll get him a piece of paper. He needs to rip it. So we rip it up together, and then we throw it in the air like confetti, and I say, Jesus loves you. Aww. That is what we do yeah. every Sunday. That's and awesome. that's we're, – we're real blessed to be in the preschool area because mm-hmm. they do a large group worship. And some of our kids – don't like to go out and some of them do so they're getting a story and some worship okay. and stuff like that That's great. we have a tv where we leave on worship songs that have kind of videos that go with them a lot of the kids really enjoy that okay. we have puzzles and books and puppets and so just kind of whatever they gravitate towards we we meet them there yeah that's really what it looks like yeah that's amazing um, okay, can we talk a little bit more about the students that you serve who have been diagnosed with autism? So yeah. what does it look like to serve those students in particular? Well, I mean, the the reality is, and I think this is probably across the board for churches, the majority of the kids that we serve are diagnosed with autism. Okay. I think maybe 10 years ago, the you know it was a lot of down syndrome mm-hmm. and cerebral palsy yeah. and stuff like that but it's changing because mm-hmm. the the diagnosis rate is changing yeah. and so which is a whole other thing but um first of all again saying a child has autism tells you absolutely nothing mm-hmm. and so we've got some kids who have autism who love to be around people yeah. and are verbal and you know all that stuff and then we've got other kids who really just need to do their own thing mm-hmm. and they feel it, you know it seems like they don't even know they don't even know what's going on around them so the first thing that I do and the first thing that I tell my volunteers and one of my huge big things in all of my trainings is that I always assume intelligence. I don't care if a kid doesn't speak, doesn't look at me, doesn't have, it doesn't look like they have any idea that anybody else is in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, And this goes as well for, you know, kids with other diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk to them exactly the way that I would talk to any child their age. Mm -hmm. If they're an adult, I talk to them like an adult. If they're a teenager, I talk to them like a teenager. If they're seven, I talk to them like I would talk Mm -hmm. to any other seven-year-old. And it's really amazing when you do that, they'll prove you right, that they they do understand more than you expect. And so that's kind of where I come from. And then, 
You know, I think as much as possible, like I said, safety is an issue, but if it's not unsafe, I let them be who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, If they need to make a noise or jump up and down or whatever, we let them do that. If it's bothering somebody else, then like one of the other kids, you know, of course you get kids who just have to be loud and then you've got kids who are super sound sensitive. (laughs) We can split them up, and uh-huh. so we do. Yeah. Instead of saying like, "Well, that noise that you really need to make to be able to cope with your environment, you can't make that here." Mm-hmm. Well, we split them up, and that's yeah. something that we're able to do. Yeah. We do provide a lot of sensory toys and equipment. Where we have a swing, we were able to invest in that a couple years ago, which has been huge. Um, and you know, they really do pretty well sharing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I it really them. helps them. Uh, we have a trampoline. We have a sensory wall that was an Eagle Scout project. Okay, we have cool. s- just some weighted stuff around. We have, you know, little light-up toys or toys that make music or mm-hmm. toys that look really cool. Um, just all kind of that, uh, just all that type of stuff available for them. And so we have a lot of bean bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so anything that they need to be able to, like I said, cope with their environment and feel safe and comfortable – and then because they feel safe and comfortable, now we can talk to them about mm-hmm. Jesus. We can, we can you know, meet them where they are. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. Absolutely. And so then when behavioral issues arise, like I said, you start with that, why is this behavior happening? Mm-hmm. Do they want attention? Because if so, let's try to find a better way for them to mm-hmm. get attention. And if yep. they want to get out of something, then is it really all that important that they do that thing? Mm-hmm. Because if not, then... Why for they they've been in school all week. We don't want to be school all over again. So I know some churches, and I I love this. I think I think this is great. I don't knock it, um, but they'll do almost like an IEP or a, a plan for the kid as they come in and meet goals. And they ask, you know, what are their goals at school? Mm-hmm. If a parent comes to me and says, "Hey, this is what we're working on, and I'd like you to carry that out," we one hundred percent do that. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not going to make them sit at a table and do a craft if they hate (laughs) doing crafts. Why would I do that? I want them to enjoy coming. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I approach it is assume that they understand everything that's going on around them. And if it's not that important, don't make them do stuff that just doesn't appeal to them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so cool. let okay. them be themselves. Yeah. It sounds like you guys are doing a lot of great work and great Thanks. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for, so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Can you talk a little bit more about how you serve siblings of your children with disabilities? Yeah. That's such a neat, and I wish we did more. I really, really do. Um, one of the things that we changed uh, maybe a year and a half ago was during respite, separating the siblings. We used to have everybody in the same area, and... <laughs> I found that either our siblings felt like they were on duty, Mm -hmm. and so they would hang out with their sibling um, with special needs the whole time, Mm -hmm. um, which wasn't necessarily great for the typically developing sibling or the sibling Mm -hmm. with special needs. They both need a little bit of time Mm -hmm. apart, uh, or they were being terrorized (laughs) by their sibling. And again, I was like, well, you get this at home all the time. So I have an awesome family that has uh, several teenagers, and they now serve our siblings exclusively. So they take them to a separate area. They provide separate activities for them and just give them really 
like a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's actually really hard to get parents and the kids to agree to being in separate areas. Yeah. Um, it's hard for them, Mm -hmm. but I always tell them, you know what? I just want you to go be a kid tonight. Mm -hmm. We are trained. We're adults. We've got this. And if I need you, I'll come get you. Yeah. You know, and we don't, we don't need them. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the, we can figure it out, mm-hmm. and they need some time off. Yeah. So we do that during respite. Um, one of the kind of informal things that I do is, like on Sundays, when the family comes to drop off their kiddo with us, I make sure, I say hi to that kid, but I also mm-hmm. say hi to all the siblings. I learn their names. I give yeah. them hugs. I tell yeah. them I'm so glad to see them. I think a lot of times maybe they're kind of ignored in yeah. certain situations because that's especially when the services are geared specifically towards their sibling with special mm-hmm. needs so that's something just kind of informal that I try to do and it always surprises me those kids will come up to me you know and give me a huge hug and I don't feel like I have any relationship with mm-hmm. them I don't spend really any time with them but, but you just saying yeah. hey I'm so how are you yeah. you know oh I like your dress or mm-hmm. I like your shoes or you know how was baseball this week or whatever it makes yeah. such a huge difference yeah. for them yeah um and then a couple of times a year we do an event um, with an organization called Victory Flows. It's okay. called Fun and Freedom Day. It's for the whole family. So every we kind of take up the whole building and we provide activities for individuals with special needs of all ages. We split them into groups and they do you know different fun things like mm-hmm. bounce houses and painting. And we even have a group of animals that come. That's it's so like cool. a little mini petting zoo. Yeah. Uh, and during that, and then the parents get their own time as well. Okay. And so they can get a massage or watch a movie or do a craft, or we even have nap rooms set up, which have like a, a line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so during that or that event, uh, Victory Flows is really, they see it as really important to serve the siblings. Mm-hmm. And so they get their own separate thing with special yeah. activities and all that okay. stuff and just really get that um, that attention yeah. that they maybe don't get all mm-hmm. the time. Yep. So those are the two main ways. Um, there are things called sib shops, and you can find them around the Metroplex. I would love to do one here, but honestly, I don't have someone to lead it, and that's okay. not something I can take on right now. It's actually a program. Okay. You kind of get, like, semi-trained in it, and okay. then there's a curriculum that you go through. That's and cool. there are a lot of really good sip shops around the Metroplex, so I include those in our newsletters, yeah. on our on our resource page, nice. um, so that you know families can find that. And there's some okay. camps and stuff like that that are specifically for siblings. Yeah. It's... It's a really big need, mm-hmm. and they're often overlooked. Yeah. And I'll have parents tell me sometimes, you know what, my kid with autism or Down syndrome or whatever, they're not the issue right now. I'm dealing with their sibling mm-hmm. because they're really struggling. Yeah. They're, you know, I, gosh, I've had some parents come to me and say, my typically developing kid hates their brother or mm-hmm. sister right now and that's so sad to me and so as much as we can we try to support the siblings yeah that's great um okay and along with that how do you serve and support the parents of these children with special needs yeah um so 
we do some specific things. I mean, first of all, we let them go to church. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Secondly, and we, we don't call them out of church unless it's an emergency. If the okay. child is bleeding or, you know, having an asthma attack or whatever, um, of course, we're going to yeah. call them out. Or if the kid's just crying excessively, yeah. most parents don't want their kid to yeah. just cry for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, we handle things so that they don't have to be, you know, pulled out of service. Mm-hmm. Um and then we provide respite once a month for three hours. We provide these, you know, Victory Flows events. We also have just started, like, just last week, we did our first one. There's an organization called Path Project, which okay. is specifically um, geared towards helping parents learn, kind of empowering them with information and then helping them learn to advocate for their child. Okay. And so we're going to be hosting their workshops a couple of times, hopefully one at least once a quarter. Okay. And parents can come and not only be given information that's helpful, but also spend time with other parents who... Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe are a little further along mm-hmm. uh, and they can collaborate or maybe they have information. Parent support has been a, a little bit of a challenge because we've had a support group in the past and it's never, for a short time, it'll be kind of what I want it to be, mm-hmm. which is a safe space to come and connect with other parents yeah. and hopefully also connect with God and learn more about what God says about their child. Mm-hmm. And it'll be that for a short time, and then it'll kind of change. And honestly, a lot of times it becomes maybe a little bit negative Mm -hmm. and a space for parents to just kind of share complaints, Mm -hmm. and that's not what I want. Yeah. Um, And I understand why that is. The other thing I have trouble with is it always turns into all moms. Okay. The dads just don't come. And so we've tried different things. Last year we would do a bowling night every month where the parents could drop their kids off and then go bowling across the street. It was somewhat successful, but it it just, again, it didn't, it was loud and sometimes it was hard to get a lane Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So this year we're doing those workshops and then I'm trying to figure out what, what else can I do? Is it once a year or twice a year or every month yeah. that we provide something for them. And I'm still figuring it out. That's yeah. constantly in flux. Okay. So, and then just generally, I I try to make myself available to the parents yeah. to pastor them mm-hmm. if they're needing help with something, if they're going through a challenging time. Yeah. And, and you so mentioned that. parent trainings as well. You guys offer those every now and then or... Yeah, uh, so that's mainly through other organizations right now. Uh, And we do a resource fair as well. We partner with an organization called Life Planning for Special Needs. Okay. And they help parents develop a plan for when when they're no longer around, Mm -hmm. when their kid's an adult and they're not able to take care of them anymore, setting up a trust, Mm -hmm. getting on those waiver lists, finding, you know, different recreation and housing options, things like that. Um, the resource website and the newsletter is a huge way that we support parents just giving them information and kind of condensing it for them so that they don't have to go find it themselves Mm -hmm. which is so challenging which is yeah they don't have time for that Yeah, yeah exactly they don't have time for that so you know it's like I said it's hard right now we don't have a support group there are some churches Bentree has an amazing support group okay. and there are some churches just doing uh, Gateway has a lot of support groups mm-hmm. um, but that's just not really worked out for us yeah. so I'm trying to figure out what's our niche in mm-hmm. serving parents in okay. kind of a more regular 
way and giving yeah. them a time to come together. I feel like we do it, but not to the extent that I would like to. Okay. It's so neat to hear you talk about all the things and ways that you are currently serving these families, but also all the ways that you still want to grow. I love when I meet with people staff members at churches and they talk about ways that they still can grow and learn. Yeah. And I mean, I think we are all constantly learning and growing. So it's yeah. neat to hear people talk about that and just be so humble. So well, I appreciate well, that. Well, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us one story of a child who you've seen make a lot of progress during mm. their time here at IBC? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, People ask me a lot of times, how do you measure success in your ministry? And for me, it's having a kid who was really uncomfortable in the beginning mm -hmm. or really acted out yeah. in the beginning. Um, and since, you know, as they come every week and we serve them, they start to get more and more mm -hmm. comfortable. I don't know that I can pick... <laughs> one kid there's so many kids that I've seen make progress and then also I'm thinking of some kids who honestly have helped us to grow yeah as they've spent time with us either because there's some challenging things that we've we've had to target mm -hmm. that have really pushed us or because they've really taught us to look at things from a different perspective yeah I also think of some of our adults okay so here's the story I'll tell we we have and I, I tell this story all the time. Uh, I just wrote a little blog post about it. But um, there's a, an adult in our group. And she I've known her now for probably five or six years. And when she first started coming to our group, she really struggled to participate. And in fact, for a while, she didn't really come because she doesn't do well just sitting and participating in a discussion. That's just not her thing. Mm -hmm. She tends to be really loud and okay. exuberant, which kind of bothers everybody a yeah. little bit, you know, so it makes people a little bit grumpy. And so we've had to work a lot with our, the rest of our adults to kind of say like, actually, she's okay. Yeah. All right. Why don't you ask her nicely to use mm -hmm. a softer voice? And a lot of times she will, but she's so hard of hearing. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so couple years ago, probably a year and a half to two years ago, and I have a relationship with her outside of the church. Okay. I take her to lunch once a month, and I've, you know, I know her family pretty mm -hmm. well. And what I learned when she started coming regularly again is her way of participating in that group is not to sit and participate in the discussion. It is to help lead. Okay. And so, so one cool. Thursday night, I we start every, you know, every time together with worship mm -hmm. so I have my guitar and we sing like the same songs every time yeah. and one Thursday she walks in with the guitar and I had no oh idea that she had a guitar and she came straight up sat next to me and said okay time for this song because she kind of knew the order yeah. that we go in and I would let her count in and she would basically lead it now is she doing chords no, no, it is a, it is a joyful noise yeah. and it's hilarious, but her confidence has skyrocketed That's so sweet. and you know, she'll all, it's so funny cause I'll say, okay, how about this song? And she's like, oh, I don't know that song when all she's doing is just like strumming random notes. And, but it's also been good for the rest of our group to see her using her gifts yeah and so does she sit and participate in the discussion no she leads worship 
she stands next to me as I teach and quotes Bible verses that are relevant because she is a walking Bible. She has that got so cool. everything memorized. And then when when she, she needs when, to rub off on me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. I wish I had that yeah. kind of memory. And then on and then once she's kind of maxed out on that, she helps clean up. And honestly, I used to hate cleaning up at the end of every Bible study. And now she does it for me oh completely. And so, so cool. not only is she serving our group, but she's serving me. Mm-hmm. And now she really looks forward to coming. And so that's actually like what I think of when I think of progress. Yeah. Because what I see is not her coming and doing what we're asking mm-hmm. her to do necessarily or what we even expected her to do. But she's figuring out, what do I contribute yeah. specifically? Yeah. And then she's using that, and it's impacting her, and it's impacting everybody else. And, that's and so, way better. Exactly. Yeah. That is way better yeah. than trying, you know, having taught her, quote-unquote, to sit down mm-hmm. and be yeah. quiet. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's much such more a good valuable. story. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so our time is coming to an end. So my last question for you is what piece of advice would you share with another pastor of another church um, who is interested in serving individuals with disabilities? So think they aren't currently doing anything right now Mm -hmm. for individuals with disabilities. What piece of advice would you give to them? I think one of the pieces of advice that I would give and do give a lot of churches when they come to me, um, which is something that I struggled with when I was leading the ministry as a volunteer, is you look at churches, and now we are one of those programs, you look at us, and we are doing a lot. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, I am full-time on staff doing this. I have a team of leaders who I've been able to delegate to, to be able to take more time to develop new programs and pastor families and pastor my volunteers, that is not what it's going to look like if you're working full-time and leading this ministry as a volunteer. So figure out what you do well and do that and let other people do other stuff well. I, Like I said, I have really struggled to put together a successful parent support group. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's lots of other places that do great support groups, so I tell my parents about those. Yeah. And I don't have to do that well. I'm going to continue to strive towards doing a better job with Mm -hmm. that, but in a way that IBC is specifically called to support parents, and it doesn't have to look like this place's support Mm -hmm. group. And so figure out what do you do well. Maybe you do Sundays well. Maybe you do respite well. Maybe you do outreach really well or parent support really well. And focus on that. And yeah. don't feel like you have to do everything, especially if you're you know, just starting out, if you're leaning as a volunteer, if you're a parent. I mean, those yeah. things, you've got other stuff on your plate. Yeah. So do what you do well and, and then connect with other churches that are doing other things well mm-hmm. and let's all work together. Yeah to serve these families because we can't all do everything. Yeah, that's so great. And I think um, sometimes it can be hard to turn to another person and say, you know, I see that you're doing a great job at this and I really need help. But yeah. I think honestly, it takes a community, it takes yes. a village. So lean on those resources. So yeah, yeah I completely agree. Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to do this today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. This Absolutely. was fun.